0: Depend on my income, so I needed life insurance, and Policy Genius made that so incredibly easy. And with Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just two hundred ninety-two dollars per year for one million dollars of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams, so save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to PolicyGenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you can save. That's policygenius.com. One of my favorite ways to invest is real estate. But not everyone wants to handle tenants and toilets. Enter Fundrise. They make it easy to invest in real estate with their flagship fund. Now, as always, you always have to carefully consider the investment objectives and risks of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. But right now, demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. And the Fundrise flagship fund plans on going on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. On this episode of the Personal Finance Podcast, we're going to talk about how to buy a house so that you can film your very own episode of MTV Cribs. What's up, everybody, and welcome. Personal Finance Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew, founder of DollarAfterDollar.com. And today on the podcast, we're gonna be talking about how to buy a house. And you made me thinking in your head, well, what's this guy know about buying a house? Well, I actually hold a real estate license in the state of Florida, and I bought in a bunch of rental properties. So what I'm gonna show you is actually a system on how I bought my first property, how I bought my first house that I lived in, Because what I do when I buy houses is I look for the upside and I look for ways to increase the value of the house so that when you go to sell the house, you can make an extreme profit. There's a system and a way to do this and it's very important that you look at houses as something that you're gonna spend your, your time in, but at the same time, you can also find something that makes a sound investment decision. And if you've never bought a house before, I'm gonna take you through the steps on exactly what you have to do to buy a house from the very beginning, the first step, all the way to actually closing on your house. So we're gonna go through all the steps on how you can go about buying a house. And in between, I'm gonna give you tips on how to look for houses and what to look for so that you can find the diamond in the rough, so that you can find the house that's perfect for you and your family, but at the same time, you can increase its value Because it's really a huge wealth accelerator to find the right house at the right price. And you can find the right house at the right price in any market. Sometimes you just have to look a little harder. Like in booming economies, like what we're having right now, you have to look a lot harder than you would, say, in a recession where houses are much cheaper and there's a lot more inventory on the market. But if you look hard enough and you really put the effort in, then you'll be able to find that diamond in the rough because they're always available. It's just getting them at the right time and finding them at the right time. And this is not a super quick process. So if you're thinking about buying a house and you think you're gonna find one in a month or two, you might, you might have that opportunity to be able to buy one in a month or two, but sometimes this can take up to a year. And the reason being is a lot of people know that they're gonna spend all their time in their house, especially now when a lot of us are spending a lot more time at home. And so they have to understand that going through this process sometimes takes time because you're gonna be nitpicky. It's not the same as a rental. It's something that you're gonna stay in for a long period of time. So you really have to look at it as an investment for the long term because a lot of people think, hey, I'm just gonna buy this starter house and I'm gonna stay here for a couple of years and then leave. But a lot of things happen in life. A lot of situations happen and you don't know how long you're gonna stay there. So you wanna find a house that you can at least stay in for 10 years because if you buy a house and the recession hits, you will take a loss in the first five years, but as we know, in the long-term, housing goes up in the long-term. So just you gotta have something that you can hang in there and stay with for about 10 years because recession cycles are 10 years in length. That's another way to think about this before you get going. Don't make emotional decisions when it comes to your house. I understand that it's an emotional process. There's a lot of emotions involved, but if you make emotional decisions, you're going to end up overpaying for a house. You're going to end up paying too much for a house, especially right now when it's really hot and it's really hectic. A lot of houses are going over asking price. So What you have to do is you have to stay level-headed and understand There's more fish in the sea. There's more out there. So if you start making offers on houses, just understand there's more houses out there to be had. So don't go over your budget or anything along those lines. So let's get into the steps on how to buy a house. So the first step is to start saving for your down payment. Now, this is obviously a huge step in the process, but you have to know exactly what your goal is. You have to know how much you need to save so that you can purchase a house. Now, there's a couple of different ways that you can buy a house with a loan. Now, obviously, you can buy a house with cash, and interest rates are so low right now that may not be the best route to go because you can find interest rates at 3% or lower at the time that I'm recording this. And if interest rates are much higher than that, then you may wanna reconsider. But if interest rates are extremely low, then you want to go ahead and consider getting a mortgage if you have the cash to buy a house because getting a mortgage will allow you to put that cash to work somewhere else, like in the stock market or in other real estate investments so that you can put your money and let it start working for you instead of worrying about a 2 to 3% interest rate. But if this is your first time buying a house, there's a couple different mortgage types that you can look at. One is, if you're a veteran, there are VA loans and they're really cool and they're really flexible and there's a lot of things you can do with VA loans and sometimes you don't have to put any money down in a VA loan and you'll be able to buy a house. But you have to consider your budget and your options so that you can figure out exactly what you wanna do. The second is, if you're a first-time homeowner, you can put 3.5% down and get what's called an FHA loan. And this is a loan that is only for first-time homebuyers, but it allows you to get into a house for a low-down payment. And it's really cool for first-time homebuyers because it's really flexible and allows you to actually go through the process in a way that's protected. So it's there's much more strict rules when it comes to an FHA loan. So it protects you more as you're going through the home buying process. And then there's a traditional mortgage where you can get a traditional mortgage through a bank or a lender. And typically, you know, you can put 10, 5, 10, 15, 20% down, depending on how you want to go about this process or more, obviously. That's the route that I always go. And the reason being is that you can put money down and you have a lot more flexibility, in my opinion. Sometimes the FHA loans and the VA loans have much stricter guidelines on what houses you can buy. But a traditional loan will allow you to find maybe some more potential fixer-uppers that you have uh, more potential upside on. So that is the way that I like to go. And typically, what I like to target is if you're just starting out and you're trying to save as much as you can, at least put 20% down. Because if you put 20% down, it will eliminate PMI or mortgage insurance, essentially, because if you have less than 20% down, the bank's going to require you to actually have an extra payment baked into your mortgage, which is mortgage insurance that is going to just add a cost to your mortgage. So usually it's like 80 bucks, 100 bucks, somewhere in that range, but it's 80 to 100 bucks that you don't have to spend if you just go up to the 20%. So you actually save money by increasing your down payment in the long run. So what's the magic number? How much should you really put down if you can? Well, it depends, like I said, on your interest rate environment. If you have real high interest rates, then I would put a much larger down payment than I would if they're real low interest rates. But one rule of thumb is is to look at 20%. That's where you have to usually start off and then try to get as much as you you can as possible in the front end because if you look at a mortgage amortization schedule, and all that means is your payments throughout the life of your loan that's a simple way to put it. If you look at something like that, your interest is going to be a massive portion of that loan. So you could buy, say, a hundred and fifty thousand dollar house, but end up actually spending over the lifetime of that loan somewhere around three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars. And the reason is that they front load the interest on your loan because a lot of people move every seven years. And so they know that, mortgage companies know that, banks know that, they have a lot of smart people working for them, so they front load the interest rates on your loan so that you're paying all interest at the beginning. So increasing your down payment is gonna reduce the amount of interest that you have to pay in the long run. we all know we don't wanna pay additional interest if we don't have to. But if, like I said, if your interest rates are low, then it's going to be okay because you can deploy your capital. You can deploy your cash somewhere else like the stock market, which traditionally returns 8% in an index fund or into more real estate so you can have investment and cash flow and things like that. The next thing to consider is also what your credit score is because your credit score is going to help determine your interest rate. And if you have a low credit score, a lot of times your interest rate is going to increase and you're considered a higher risk to banks than someone who has a higher credit score. So I would say if you have a low credit score, say in the sixes, uh, maybe even in the fives, I would say, you know, work on increasing your credit score before going and starting this process. Try to get to, you know, the high sixes, sevens and eight hundreds so that you can get a great interest rate and be able to buy the home that you want. And the other key is as you're saving, don't make any other big purchases because you don't want to take a hit on your credit right before you go buy a house. So don't go buy a bunch of cars or other things that may take a hit on your credit in the short term right before you buy your house. So just continue to save, get your plan together, think about how much you wanna put down. And there's a lot of mortgage calculators out there. I'll link a couple in the show notes so that you can go about and look and see how much do I need to put down so that I can have my monthly payment be at a place that is manageable for me. (laughs) A R C H M O N E Y dot com slash P F P for your extended 30 day free trial. We're driven by the search for better. Now is a great time of year to get your finances in order, and no matter what your financial goals are this year, when you use Chime's online checking account, you can cross all those financial to-dos off your list. Chime's online checking account has tons of benefits that millions of members love, like fee-fee overdraft up to $200, plus get paid up to two days early with direct deposit, all while managing your money on the go 24-7. And you get access to over 60,000 ATMs. So start building your credit and open a Chime checking account with at least $200 qualifying direct deposit to get started. Get started at Chime.com slash PFP. That's Chime.com slash PFP. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA members FDIC. SpotMe eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Early access to direct deposit funds depends on payer. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees may apply. The key to winning in any business is making sure you have the right business partner. An example is Procter and Gamble or Ben and Jerry. But what about the perfect partners when it comes to growing your business? That's you That's shopify.com slash PFP. The second step is to understand your market. What I mean by that is you need to understand the areas where you're going to look to buy a house. So if you're new to an area, I would recommend renting before you go and buy a house. Don't just go to an area and buy a house because you could buy it in a neighborhood that may not be as nice as you think it is. Maybe at nighttime it turns into maybe a crime infested area or things like that. So you have to understand your market before buying a house. And what you want to do is find markets where you can find gems. So a lot of times there will be markets out there that may have a bunch of large homes, say for example, and there's a couple small homes and maybe the small homes fit your budget. Well, if you can get a hold of a couple of those, then you'll be able to increase the value on those homes. And as those large home values increase, so will your small home because you wanna have the worst house in the best neighborhood. That's the first biggest key takeaway is you wanna buy the worst house in the best neighborhood neighborhood if you've ever seen that show with uh chip and joanna gaines called fixer upper that's what their motto is that's what they go about and try to do is they try to find the worst house in the best neighborhood because that's where you get value and that's where you can increase the value of your home and we're going to talk more about that as we get along in this process but that's what you got to think about as you go through this process if you buy a home that's flipped or completely done then you're not going to add any value to that home You wanna find value-add homes so that you can increase the value yourself and you're gonna make a huge profit when you sell it. Because what a lot of people don't understand is that buying a house is actually a skill rather than something you just do. There's actually a skill to buying a house. So you actually have to go through and understand markets and potentially even look for a while so that you can develop that skill and practice and then you can see the houses that are out there. And once you see houses that are out there, then you're able to say, hey, this is the one I want. I've seen so many of them and I understand my market now. And this is exactly the one that I want. This is the one I've been looking for. And this is the one that will fit my family's needs. And that's the next step. The third step is figure out what type of home fits your lifestyle. So as you're beginning to figure out what your budget is, you're f- beginning to look at your market, then you got to figure out what's going to fit your lifestyle. Are you just a single person and you're looking for a place for numero uno? No problem, but you may want something a little smaller than someone who has you know, a family with three kids, a, a, you know, a husband or a wife, and they're, they're, they have three kids and a dog and a bunch of other things. Then they may want a bigger house with a couple more rooms so they can live comfortably that way. You gotta figure out exactly what you want for your lifestyle and see what fits your lifestyle. Maybe you wanna be downtown and you wanna you know, be around restaurants and bars, or maybe you wanna be out in the country because you like the quiet. It just depends on what type of home fits your lifestyle, what type of area fits your lifestyle. And the next step is the, a big step. It's a big step here for the Personal Finance Podcast, obviously, because we wanna make sound financial decisions and that's figuring out how much home you can buy. I'm gonna say this right off the bat. Do not overextend yourself. Do not become house poor. How do you figure out if you're gonna become house poor? Let me tell you. At the max, every single person who's in the financial industry says, do not go over 30% of your income. I'm gonna take that one step further. I believe personally that you should not go over 25% of your income, and especially if you want to be financially independent early or you want to retire early, then you need to not go over 20% of your income. Reason being is too many people spend too much money on housing. Housing is the biggest expense for most people, and it sucks away a lot of people's cash, and they have a lot of extra rooms that they never use a lot of extra rooms to impress other people that they never step foot in throughout the week. And you have to understand how much home you can buy. So definitely do not go over 30%. I would advise staying at 25% or below your income. And if you can get below 20%, then you have an increased chance to increase your savings rate to invest in other places. But that's exactly how you can figure out how much home you can afford. It's actually a simple formula. And if you do the math, if you get over 25 to 30%, then you're actually gonna start to see situationally that you're not gonna have much money left over. And that's why these numbers come into play because if you don't have money left over to invest, you're putting all your money into your house and your house is your only asset. And that's the sad thing about how a lot of people retire now is they retire with their house as their only asset because it becomes 30 years later, they've been plowing all their money into their house and that's all they have. That's the only thing they have. And a lot of people say, their ho- your house isn't even an asset, and we can get to that in another episode, but this is something that you got to understand because if you overextend yourself, you're going to be house poor. You're not going to be able to invest extra money. You're not going to be able to build wealth, and if building wealth is your goal, then you have to control this part of your life. So now that you've done all the preparation, those are all the preparation steps, now it's time to start to take action, and taking action is a big thing deal because once you start this process, then you're really making moves towards buying your first house or your second house or whatever whatever house you're on. You're starting to make moves towards your goal. So the next thing to do is to get pre-approved. Now what's pre-approved? That's when you go to a lender and you say hey I want to buy a house. Can you give me a pre-approval letter that indicates that I'm an actual buyer, that I'm a real buyer, that I'm able to actually purchase this house. And through the pre-approval process, it usually takes 10 to 30 minutes, somewhere in that range. You're going to go out and fill out an application from a lender. You can, you can go to your bank. You can go to a mortgage lender. They're all great. And they'll be able to take you through the process. And all you're going to do is you're going to fill out your information and, and your, you know, your social security number and a couple of questions about how much money you make and things like that and then they're gonna give you a pre-approval letter. Now, when you're getting a pre-approved, I would recommend asking them, hey, is there a way you can pre-approve me without taking a hit on my credit? Now, most lenders, all lenders that I know now, can now do this. They can do it in a way where they don't take a hit on your credit, but if someone says they can't, then maybe look at a different lender because you don't want to take these small hits on your credit right before you buy the house because like we talked about, your interest rate is affected by that. And having an interest rate on your mortgage for 30 years is something that really impacts your wealth building ability. So you need to be able to get the lowest interest rate possible. And once you're done getting pre-approved, they're going to give you a pre-approval letter and you're going to use this to make offers because this is how real estate agents tell each other, hey, this person is legit. This person's already pre-approved. They're ready to go and they are are ready to buy this house. Because if you get in a multiple offer situation and you don't have a pre-approval letter, then you're most likely gonna get turned down. And in most situations, you have to have this pre-approval letter to even make an offer. So start off your action steps by getting pre-approved. And that also is gonna tell you how much house you can buy. Now, pre-approval letters will give you way more house than 30%. What I'm telling you is, do not take the highest number that they give you. Because if you do that, you're gonna be completely house poor. I've seen people who make $50,000 a year get approved for $800,000 mortgage. It's ridiculous. And so that's something that you got to understand. Don't listen to what your lender is saying. Listen to the numbers and look at the percentages so that when you get your pre-approval letter, you're not going too far and you're not going way out of budget because they're going to let you go way out of budget. Trust me. And that's the biggest key is just controlling that piece of this equation. Now, the next step after you get pre-approved, it's time to start the hunt. Now, how you have to start a hunt is if you have a real estate license and you can go start looking at houses right away. But if you don't, then you're going to have to find a real estate agent. Now, I will tell you, there's a lot of bad real estate agents out there. There just are, but there's also a lot of great ones and there's a lot of great realtors out there. So a couple of things you can do to go look for this is there's a couple of websites like limelight.com, I think is one. I think Zillow and realtor.com also have you know reviews from other people now, but all these sites, you know, help review realtors. Or if you have a friend, who is a realtor, sometimes that's a good option if you think that they would be a good fit for you because they're likely more honest than, say, some stranger. But at the same time, you have to know that they actually know what they're doing. And they have to understand that you're trying to make a sound financial decision. So if you tell them that up front, that you're not trying to buy the most house that you can afford, you're trying to buy the best house for your situation then that will start you off on the right foot with your realtor. And then what's gonna happen is they're gonna set you up usually on automatic emails to start sending you listings. And maybe they'll trickle in a listing or two and look for you. But a lot of times, you're gonna have to look for the houses yourself online. And most people don't wanna hear that. But there's not a lot of realtors out there that are just gonna go find a bunch of houses for you. And a lot of people are surprised when they get to this step because they're saying, hey, you're my agent. Why aren't you finding me houses? Well, they're usually an agent for a lot of people. And a lot of times they're not gonna find you as many houses as they should be. So understanding this upfront will help allow you to you know, just start looking and going through the process and finding houses you like, sending them to your agent so that you can schedule showings and go and look. So as you start your hunt, just expect that you're gonna probably have to do some of the legwork on the front end. Now, as you're looking at houses, Here's what I want you to do. This is the process that I'm gonna show you how I look at houses on how to build wealth. What you wanna do is find houses that have cosmetic issues. So for example, my first house that I bought had purple walls in the kitchen, blue walls in the living room, shaggy carpet everywhere. The entire house was filled with shaggy carpet. It had ridiculous colors in every single room. It had a vanity built out of stone. It had another vanity where the top was green, And the entire house, had pink tile in the bathroom. Everything needed cosmetic upgrade. But the quality of the house, the structure of the house was in fantastic shape. Now, this is exactly what you want to find. You want to find houses with cosmetic issues, but they also are structurally sound. Everything is in good shape. The roof is in good shape. The water heater's in good shape. The AC's in good shape. It's well-maintained, but it's just a house that needs upgrades. And a lot of times you can find... You know, these houses in areas where people have lived in the home for a long period of time and they're used to the house, and maybe they are, you know, now downsizing and they're ready to sell their home. This is a situation where you need to find these houses because this is where you're gonna add extreme value. A lot of times these renovations can take, you know, anywhere from ten thousand dollars to twenty to thirty thousand dollars, but they're gonna make a massive difference in the long run. You don't have to make the you know, the renovations up front, you're gonna live in the house for a long time. So you can do this over a period of time. And that will allow you to add the value you need. And you can easily make six figures of wealth if you stay in that house for 10 years. The reason being is you're adding the value, you're making it modern, you're upgrading all these upgrades. This happens over time, and you're increasing the value tremendously. So you are able to buy a house that is actually a sound investment. Because if you buy a completely finished house, you're not going to add any value. There's no way to add value to a completely finished house. So you're probably going to sell it for what you bought it for at the height. You're not going to make a ton of money. And if you do make some money, it may be you know, 5%, 10% at max. What I'm talking about is you're going to double your money if you find a house in this range where you need a lot of cosmetic issues. You are you have a potential of doubling or tripling your money in the long run. So your next step is to schedule showings. And like I said, as you go through this process, you want to schedule showings and schedule as many as you can and look at as many you can, especially early on so that you understand what the market is like. And as you schedule these showings over time, you're going to find houses that you like. So now it's time to start making offers. So you're going to take that pre-approval letter and your agent's going to take the pre-approval letter and they're going to make an offer. So you're going to go through the contract process. Your agent's going to fill out a contract for you and they're going to start making the offer. Now each state has its own contract. They call it Uh, like in Florida here, they call it the far bar, but there's all these standard contracts that you go through. And they're fairly simple to read, but make sure you read all the fine print and everything as you're filling out the contract. And some of the key things you definitely wanna make sure you have in the contract is a contingency on inspection. So you wanna make sure that you're able to inspect the house if you get it under contract, or if your offer is accepted. And what that means is you're going to have a home inspector come out. They cost like two to three to $400, somewhere in that range. They're going to come out and look at the house for you and make sure everything's structurally sound and in good shape. They're going to check all the outlets in your house. They're going to check all the faucets, make sure they're not leaking. They're going to check all the big stuff like the AC, the roof, all that kind of stuff so that you don't find something later on. You absolutely have to have an inspection every time. So make sure that contingency is in the contract. And most agents will put that in there. If they don't, they're not a good agent. If your agent does not think that you need to have that in there, you need to move on to a new agent. So finally, you start making offers. You're looking at houses. You've done all this other pieces of the process and your offer is accepted on a house that you love. So what do you do? After your offer is accepted, you definitely want to go ahead and get that inspection scheduled and get it done. Then, as you go through that process, you're also gonna apply for your mortgage. So once you get through the inspection process, they may have a list of things that you wanna correct, and you can request for those to be corrected, and it may not be a deal breaker, it may be a deal breaker. So if it's not a deal breaker and they say yes or no, then you go ahead and move to the next step, which is to get approved for your loan. So this time when you actually get approved for your loan, for the long haul, you're going to fill out a much larger application. This application is going to be something going through the same process, but just more in depth on your finances. It's pretty simple. Your mortgage broker is going to walk you straight through it. And if all that goes through, then you're on the next phase. So now what's gonna happen is in the background, your agent's gonna be working with a title company and they're gonna be working with your lender to make sure everything goes through properly. The fastest you can usually, you know, finish this process is 25 to 30 days. But usually it takes, you know, 30 to 45 days to go through this process. Once it's done, you're gonna go to closing. And now at closing, you're just gonna sign a bunch of documents, you're gonna sign over title, you're gonna pay your closing costs, things like that, and have this process wrapped up. But that's exactly how you go through the entire process of buying a home. And on the day of closing, you're going to do one final walkthrough through the house. It's called the final walkthrough. And you're going to look at everything, make sure everything's in you know the condition that you want it to be. And then you're going to go and you're going to close and you're going to sign your name on the dotted line. And that means it's time to pop some champagne. It's time to pop the bubbly because now you're a homeowner. But the big thing is, is now you bought an asset And it may not be an asset in everyone's eyes, but if you bought it right, and if you bought it that may need some upgrades that you can add value to the house, you do own an asset. And the reason being is it's gonna increase in value and it's gonna appreciate over time. Now, if you buy a house and then wanna sell it the next year, who knows what the market's gonna do? But if you buy a house and you're gonna sell it in five, 10, 15, 20, 25 years, then you have an asset that's gonna increase over time because buying at the right price is gonna pay off in the long run. If you spend 50 hours researching houses, 50 additional hours more than you wanted to, but you save yourself $30,000, I think that's time well spent. You're making almost $1,000 an hour just by researching and going through the process the correct way. So take all these pieces into consideration and go through the process with an open mind and you're gonna make the best financial decision that you can make early on in your life. Thank you guys so much for listening. And if this is your first time listening, consider subscribing so you never miss an episode. And hey, if you get value out of this show, consider sharing it with a friend because we believe that every person in this world can build true wealth and build financial freedom. We want to share that message with everyone else because it starts right here. It starts with financial education and it's not taught in high schools. It's not taught in colleges. So we want everyone to understand exactly how they too can build wealth and how they can go about building an amazing financial future. Again, thank you so much for listening and I hope you guys have a great day.